Hey, and welcome to the Bikers Church Midrand Podcast. It's great to have you join us for this week's episode. We hope that you find this valuable for your daily life. Welcome. If you are new with us, if this is your first time visiting with us, my name is Werner. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Roman and Nat and Auntie Deline, they are celebrating Auntie Deline's 70th, 70th birthday. Uh, I'll tell her you did that, okay? No. Thank you guys once again for being here. So, as Gerrit said, this morning um, we are in week four of January. And for a lot of us, we're going, already? Four Sundays gone in January? What happened? There's a few of you. For the most of us, it is finally, the fourth week of January has come. Because there's a whole lot of salary left, or a whole lot of month left at the end of your salary, especially in January, isn't it? So when we come to the fourth week of January, it's like, finally, it's here, it's come. But enough of that. We, um, we started off this year by saying, hey, how do we do this year best? How, how do we make this the best year? We've all come out of New Year's, and, and you look back at the year past, and you go, oh my goodness, if I can never have that again, my life would just be so much better. And whether th- this year past was that year, or whether you've experienced it in the past, you want to make this year the best that it can possibly be, don't you? And so we, we've been speaking through it, and we said that it's not through New, year, New Year's resolutions. It's, it's not through big sweeping statements, and, and, and it's definitely not through wholesale changes, because those things don't last long, do they? The diet lasted until... The second, apparently, on the front row. Uh, Your new spending goals lasted until you got that TV license email and you're like, oh, come on, that breaks the budget. You know? Okay, for two people, not not for the rest of us. All right? But that's how it it goes in New Year. And, and, And we realize that those things, they don't last. But lasting change comes when we honor God. Lasting change comes when, when, when we decide that God can be trusted in every situation, with my future, with my family, with my job, with everything. And then last week we spoke on, we need to keep coming back, because so often we give things to God and then a week later it doesn't quite look the way that we wanted it to look, and we're like, ah, oh, this God thing isn't working. Lord, why aren't you listening to me? Should I pray louder? Should I sing it? Is, it? is it because I only put up my hands to here in church? You know, is this where prayers get answered and not here? And, and so we go through these motions. And, and, and it's not that. The fact is that we keep coming back because God has got us in a process. He's working a process in us. And he's changing us as we come back and come back and come back. So we're not, we're not hoping for a better future. No, we're cultivating good practices so that we can sustainably grow in who God is. 
as, as, as people, we can become the people that he has created us to be. So we've predetermined our responses, and I hope you have predetermined your responses to any obstacle that you might face. So that in any obstacle, at the end of it, you can go, I have honored God. I have trusted him. I have kept coming back, whether it looked good or bad or something in the middle. Because he has it all in his hands. He is in control. He is for me. And he doesn't let us down. Now, we all start off well. And we're excited. And there's a lot of energy as we start off a year. And we hear these messages. And we're like, yes, I like it. And then the second hits, and, and these doubts creep in. It's like, is it going to happen? Am I going to get it right? We realize that we have a, a massive task on our hands as the budget runs out, as that person comes back to work, as that problem that you thought was just the theory. Over the, it's like over the holiday, it grew ears and a nose and arms and legs, and it walks in and out of your life daily. And we get discouraged as we realize this, the magnitude of this task, because God didn't just snap his fingers and everything was different. Wouldn't that be nice? Okay, somebody agrees. It would be nice, all right? It's not, a, it's not just a Beach Boys song. Wouldn't it be nice if we were all right? It would be nice if God just snapped his fingers and everything was different. But we realize that God, God's working this process in us and, he's, and he's, he's come alongside us and he wants to walk with us as we face these challenges. And, and he doesn't just pick us up on this side of the challenge and put us down on the other side. No, he walks us through because there's a lot that we need to learn. There's a lot that we need to grow into as we go through these challenges. But we get overwhelmed. Now, at this point is where stress takes over. And we very, very quickly and very, very easily fall into old patterns old ways of thinking, old ways of doing things. What are those old ways of doing things? What are those old patterns? Well, there's millions, but I'll give you 10. I promise we won't preach through all 10. So this is where you keep your fingers crossed that yours don't come up and then you don't have to change, isn't it? All right, so let's see, let's see how we do, all right? One of the things, one of those old patterns that we keep repeating is, is we think that I need to be in control, and I need to be controlling everything to be safe. Another one is, I need to keep others pleased to be loved and accepted. I need to be tough and independent to survive. Have you ever heard that before? I need to be guarded I can't risk intimacy. How about this one? I'm led by my emotions. They represent truth to me. Next one is, I must be right and I must be heard to know that I am accepted. Have you ever worked with a person like that before? All right. What I do determines who I am. My value is caught up in what I do. I need a relationship to feel fulfilled. My past 
determines who I am. And the last one is, if I can only figure out the future, I can beat this insecurity. Now at this stage, I see folks picking up their phones and taking photos. Please don't put this on social media. This is the wrong end of the message. All right. Don't tell them we're preaching this because, man, that's trouble. Because it is. We find ourselves there. We find ourselves thinking those things and we land ourselves in trouble over and over and over again because it's exactly what we said we're going to move away from. And as soon as it gets, gets tough, it's exactly where we land ourselves again and again and again. When these things are at the forefront of our thinking, when these things keep coming back, who, who's in control of your life? It's fear, isn't it? Fear is controlling us at that stage. Shame often controls us at that stage. There's so many, let's be honest, negative emotions that are in control when we, when we go back there. Do you remember how that worked for you in the past? Just take a moment and just think of how that worked for you in the past. And now that you've brought that to mind, do you really want to go back there? Is the honest question. And I, I think for most of us, at least, it's, it's no. No, I don't want to go back there. I've been there. I've, I've got T-shirts. I don't want them. So there's this cold, hard fact out there in the world that we're on our own. That if you don't do it for yourself, it's not going to happen. You have to graft. You have to get it done. It's all dependent on you. But in life, I've grown up to come upon this age-old truth that I am not alone. And this truth kind of resounds all through the Bible, and it definitely resonates within my heart. It's, it's well brought out in Isaiah 41 and verse 10. It says this, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And this age-old truth just kills that fact that is thrown around all the time. It supersedes that cold out fact. We are not alone. God is with us. God is for us. He wants to see us succeed. He wants to see us go forward. He wants to, to see us change into the people that he has created us to be. Small incremental changes, not finger snap changes. So how does this truth impact those old ways of thinking? How does this truth that God is with us and for us, that he upholds us, how does that impact those old patterns that we tend to go back to? Well, let's start here. Start with this one. I need to control everything to be safe. Don't put up your hands, but have you ever thought that? Have you ever lived there? And let's be honest with ourselves, is that even possible? 
Can you control everything? I can't even control my six-year-old son. He gets old so quickly. I don't even know what age he is anymore. But, you know, because he has a little mind of his own. I can put good things into him and then just pray that he does that. But he has to make the decisions. I, I, I drive in the traffic. Have you, ever, have you ever wanted to control traffic? This is where we start throwing our lunch at cars in the traffic, isn't it? All right? I will tell you how to drive. Goes the banana. If you've not, you have not lived until you've thrown your banana at a taxi. I, just saying, okay? But it's not possible. We are not in control. God is in control. Proverbs, 20, Proverbs 19 and verse 21 tells us this. It says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Who's made many plans? How's that going for you? The Lord's purpose will prevail. You see, we can want control all we like, but God's in control. And he's not giving it up. Because can you imagine us being in control? That would be terrible. That would be a mess. And so he's holding on. And that is the best news that we can ever hear, is that he is in control and he's not giving it up. And that we can fall into what he's controlling and live the best possible lives. Why? Because we're living in him. Surrender to his control. Another thing that we return to, another pattern that we go back to is, I need to keep others pleased to feel loved and accepted. Who's ever tried to please everyone for a day? All right? Just for a day. Let's, case in point, Christmas lunch. All right? Christmas lunch, there's this menu that gets sent around the family to make sure that everybody eats everything on the menu. And you make it nice. And everybody sits down. And the people are like, what's that? Why is it green? I think that one's looking at me. All right? The menu was sent around. Everybody knew what was coming. And yet you get to Christmas, Christmas lunch and not everybody's pleased. You'll never be able to please everybody. You will, you will kill yourself trying to please everybody. Please God. Don't run after people's approval. Galatians 1 verse 10 says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Pleasing people and following Jesus are mutually exclusive, I want to say. Pleasing God, people will be pleased. But you're not going to do both. You're going to do one or the other. Next pattern that we return to is I need to be tough and I need to be independent to survive. I can't depend on other people. All right? I'm going to give you a scripture before I say too much. 
John 15 and verse 5 says the, says the following. Jesus speaking, and he says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We all need help at some stage. We definitely needs, need God's leading at every stage. And the thing is, the thing with God is that, that his leading often just leads us to people. And so if, you're think, if your thinking is that, that you're, you're going to get helped without people, you're going to have a tough life. Because God uses people. Go and read his word. All through his word, he uses people to help people to get to him. He uses people to sharpen the skills of people to become the people that they need to be. When we think, I'm going to do this alone, it is the start of the end. When we think, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get all the help that I can get, I'm going to take in the advice, I'm going to filter it through God, and some of it's going to be fantastic, and some of it, you know what? Some people had bad pizza last night, and we need to give them a little bit of grace for that. Why? Because we filter through God's word what we get from people. But we need help. We're frail beings. We're not going to make it on our own. There's no reward at the end of life for the guy who is all alone. I did this by myself. It's like, well, congratulations, you needed Jesus, sorry. Because that's going to be the conversation. It's a tough conversation, but it's the truth. Because the first person we need is the person of Jesus. Another thing that we fall back to, another way of thinking that we fall back into is, is that to be safe and secure, I need to be guarded. I can't risk intimacy. And when you hear that, we hear that people are afraid of risk. They're afraid of what, they, what they're putting out there because, because they might just get hurt. And so these walls go up to protect ourselves. And, and, and those walls keep, once again, people out. But they, they, they keep all the good things out as well as all the bad things out. And then when we're living on our own, worry and stress just seems to multiply, doesn't it? Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 is just so beautifully relayed in the message translation. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces the worry at the center of your life. When we try to keep ourselves safe and secure, we're creating worries. We're putting ourselves into a future that doesn't exist. We're putting our faith, let's be honest, putting our faith in the negatives. We can so easily just put our faith in the one who holds the future secure. And follow him and follow his leading. 
because He will guard our hearts and our minds. And then His peace will lead us. And the fear of the unknown, it's still there. But when peace leads you, you can go one step at a time. And as we go one step at a time into the unknown, we learn to trust God more and more and more and more. And this, this one step at a time slow shuffle becomes a walk, becomes a jog, becomes a run into what he has for us. Another one of our, of our old ways is that I am led by my emotions. They represent the truth to me. Uh, in fact, I, um, I only do what feels right. Have you, have, you ever, have you ever gotten advice from somebody and they said, oh, just, just, you gotta listen to your heart. You gotta do what feels right. Now, if, um, if you've ever been a teenager, or if you currently are a teenager, you will have stumbled upon this truth, that emotions are fantastic indicators but they are horrible problem solvers. Emotions show us that things are wrong. You're like, oh, yeah, I need to pay attention here. But you can't pay attention with that energy because emotions make us angry in a bad way. And they get us all hysterical in a bad way. And then we try to use that energy to solve problems. And that doesn't work so good, does it? Jeremiah sums it up simply but honestly. He says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I didn't say it. The Bible does. You can go check it. Don't, don't listen to your heart. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Allow God to speak into your life and follow his leading. Find it on a daily basis through his word, through good people who follow him, who can speak into your life. Don't be led by your emotions. I'm going to take one more of those. So like you're hoping that this is not you and you're just holding thumbs and you're like, come on, let it not be my problem because then I don't have to change. The last one we want to look at this morning is my past determines who I am. I'm only a product of my past. James Sherman, guy who lived long ago, he, he wrote a little book on rejection. And a quote from there is that you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And that is such good news for each and every one of us, because we all have a bit of a past, don't we? We've all done things that you're like, I hope that never visits me. I hope that never comes out. I hope... I never have to deal with that. And are there consequences for the past? Yes, there are, definitely. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
the new creation has come. It says that person is a new creation in other translations. The old has gone and the new is here. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. We need to consistently remind ourselves of that truth. I am not the person that was. I am the person who's standing in front of you. And today, I can make the changes that will change the ending. My past does not determine my future. I hold the pen. I have a, a blank page in front of me. The cool thing is, I can hand over the pen to the one who holds the future. And he can fill in the details for us. We need to consistently remind ourselves of all these truths. The fact that we are not alone. The fact that God is with us. Because that will help us as we've spoken the first three weeks. To honor him, to trust him, and to keep coming back to him. To keep stepping into relationship and to grow that relationship with him. This is when we create new ways. Better ways of thinking. Better ways of acting. Better ways of stepping into the future that he has for us. When we honor God, when we trust him, and when we keep coming back. Throughout the Bible, there's this reoccurring theme, this reoccurring principle of sowing and reaping. Now, usually when people speak sowing and reaping in the church, it's around money. But that's a very limited understanding of of how big that principle actually is. Sowing and reaping is so much more than just giving money. All right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 tells us, explains it well. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Simple thing. If you put in a little, you're going to get a little. If you put in a lot, You're going to get a lot more. Now, I can hear you going, oh, it's kind of like karma. Um, No. All right? Just near. It's not like karma at all. All right? Karma says that you only get what you give. And I'll be honest, that's, that's a little limiting, isn't it? I only get what I give. Isn't there like interest? But then, when we keep thinking about it, it's a little bit troubling. Because I don't always give the nice things. I've, back to the traffic, we've, you know, when's the banana coming back? And so karma makes sense when we're focused on the positive, but we're in trouble when it comes to the negative, when it comes to the bad things that we've done. And ultimately, karma makes us selfish, and it makes us look into ourselves all the time. The difference between sowing and reaping in God's kingdom and karma is this one simple word. It's called grace. Because grace gives us what we never deserved gives us so much more than what we deserved because Jesus came and he took what we deserved on himself and he paid the price for it 
so that we don't have to walk around with scraps and, and, and hope that the future is going to be better. No, no, no. We can know that we know that Christ has paid the price for everything that has gone wrong and that we have a hope and a future in a loving, kind Father who we call God. So grace accounts for my shortcomings. Grace accounts for my mistakes. It's, a, it's, not, it's getting exactly what I don't deserve. Because we'd like to think that we deserve nice things, but when we really, really sit down and think about it, it's like, hey, uh, I messed up there and I messed up there. And, I, and God comes and he says, give it to me. My son has paid for it. And I have so much more for you in store than what that has ever done for you. Then what that, whatever that might be, has ever promised you. So as it comes to sowing and reaping, I have to ask this. What is the bulk of my time going into? What is the bulk of my effort going into? Where am I taking my family? Am I investing in the things of God? Am I investing in honoring God? Trusting Him, building relationship with Him, coming back over and over and over again. And by that, I don't mean to manipulate you to come back to church over and over and over again. It'd be nice. But that we come back to God on a daily basis. I want to say on an hourly basis, on a minutely basis. Keep coming back. Keep honoring Him. Keep trusting Him for what He has for us. Because I want to reap that crop. And I know sitting in front of me is a whole congregation of people who wants to reap the good that God has for them. The cool part is God doesn't keep it, keep it against us when we've messed up. We're back to that, that word called grace. So this morning, as you're sitting here, I want to say, well done for getting to week four. But I want to ask, if, you are, if you're saying, I want to make this here an unforgettable here for all the good reasons. So I want to step into honoring God. I want to trust Him with everything I have. I want to build a relationship with Him. That's what I want to sow into. I want to pray with you this morning. I'm a, the prayer just singles around this, this simple idea of the fact that we are starting where we are and we are changing the ending. doesn't matter what we've done. I've, I've gone back to those old patterns. I've gone back to those old ways. Start here and change the ending. Trust God for that ending. So if that's you, I want to ask, sit there in your seat and just bow your head and, and pray with me. I'm not going to make a show of it. But let's trust God for what He has because it's so much better than what we've had. We thank you, Lord, that we can be here together today. We thank you, Lord, for, for what you've done in our hearts this morning. Lord, for challenging us 
and our old ways of thinking and our old ways of practice, our old ways of acting, Father God. Lord, this morning, we come to you and we say, Lord, in every decision, we want to honor you. Lord, we want to trust in you with our futures, with our families, with our job situations, with our country, with everything that we can possibly think of, Lord. Lord, we want to keep coming back, building relationship with you, getting to know you more and more every single day, being transformed into the people that you have created us to be, Father God. We want to reap that harvest, Father. We want to sow into you, Father God. Lord, this morning we are starting where we are, and we're changing the ending because we are handing it all over to Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you, you, you grab our mess with open hands. You love us for it, Father God, but you will never leave us there. And Lord, that you take us, as your word says, from strength to strength, from glory to glory, Father God, growing into the men and women that you have created us to be. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We trust that you found this message valuable. For more information on who we are or how you can get involved, please check out our website at bikerschurchmidrand.co.za or connect with us through social media on Facebook or Instagram. Beyond that, have a great day.